0: Hello, I'm Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 50 of the Speaking Club podcast. Madonna's a bit of a hero of mine and a great example of using framing to attract a new audience. She's been a cowgirl, a gangster, and I particularly loved it when she tapped into her Italian roots and stuck a couple of Cornettos on her basque to become a gay icon. I started this podcast for two reasons because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Wow, episode 50. Right, before I crack on with the show, after 50 episodes, I wanted to ask a favour. If you haven't already left a review or rating wherever you're listening, please, would you do it now? Or if you're driving, when you get where you're going... Just pause me and take a couple of minutes to say something heartfelt about how the Speaking Club has changed your life. Or you could just say you like listening because it's got some good guests and stuff. And if you've done it already, I just want to say thank you. You're a star. Okay, so I've been wanting to share about the concept of framing for a while now. And since this month has loosely been around performing... I thought it would fit nicely. I also felt that it become a bit more urgent after a second guest on the show moaned about TED Talks. Both Professor Richard Wiseman and Dr Steve Cross felt that the Talk Like TED movement is responsible for cranking out homogenous, boring speakers. Now, I don't know if there's any coincidence that those two are both scientists, but anyhow, having done a TEDx talk myself and watched many, many of them, I understand where they're coming from, even if I don't fully subscribe to their view. I think TED has also done a lot of positive things for speaking. Now, Steve in particular talked last week about letting go of the notion of a one-size-fits-all great speaker with all its implied conventions and and start embracing the idea of being the right speaker for the audience at hand. Now, which is something I bang on about on here and with my clients and students constantly. As far as I'm concerned, you have to put your audience first during all the phases of putting your talk together. So this might end up you know, meaning that you change something as simple as the clothes you wear uh, and dress down or dress up Or leave out something contentious or completely changing the way you present the message so that it resonates with the audience you've actually got rather than the one you want to have or wish you had. So after the show with Steve, you may well have been thinking, how, how can I keep the same core content because that's my area of expertise, but change it so that a new audience can relate well? That's where framing comes in. Framing is a concept or tool that's used in theatre, film, TV, literature and even music. And what it means is having some device, a situation or structure or another framing story even that allows the original story to be told and or be better understood by the audience. Let me give you some examples from different arts to illustrate so Shakespeare plays are a great example now when you want to put on a play or a musical in the theatre you normally have to pay performing rights and that's a fee for each performance and these can be too expensive for some groups to afford and that fee normally goes to the writer but there's an expiry date and some plays are free to perform including those of Shakespeare, which is why you see so many of them around. Obviously quite, aside from the fact they're obviously brilliant. But the quandary for many of the groups that perform these Shakespeare plays, perhaps the millionth version of Romeo and Juliet or or Hamlet, is how to make it different. And I read a great quote uh, from author Lisa Tuttle on writing in the fantasy and science fiction genre, which I think applies in this context, too. She said, you've got to make it familiar enough to satisfy expectations, yet different enough to be surprising and distinctive. Now, there are many different ways actors and directors have tried to achieve this with Shakespeare. Uh, It might be set in a different time, perhaps today or during a war or during the 60s, or in a different place, perhaps in space, or on a submarine, or they might try and shake things up with the casting, a female Hamlet, or two men playing Romeo and Juliet. Who knows? We may have a Trumpian King Lear or Macbeth in the future, if there isn't already one knocking around. And what happens is that not only does it freshen up the play for new audiences, But in addition to the themes that Shakespeare has written in, and we talked about universal themes in a previous episode, you also get the other message linked to the framing device, which may be about the time in history that it's set or how people react to being in a confined space like a submarine or about feminism or LGBTQ rights and so on. And in some ways, the framing device allows you to niche down and target a particular demographic. Now, the massively successful musical Hamilton by Lin-Manuel Miranda has broken many conventions. And despite being set in 1776, it fuses rap and hip hop along with classical theatrical numbers. And it also has a cast of young, black, Asian, Latino and mixed race actors uh, portraying the old white founding fathers of America. And in addition to making something entertaining, this was deliberate because they always wa- also wanted to hold a mirror up to society and have a cast that reflects the modern world we live in. In the film The Princess Bride, they used a brilliant framing device to deal with the feelings some of the audience might have had about the plausibility of the story and what they did was they had a grandfather reading a story to his reluctant grandson which puts the cynical reaction of a viewer that they might have to the romantic fairy tale into the story in the grandson's persona and it helped to diffuse it so that was really really clever and uh, framing devices can also be stories themselves like in the story of A Thousand and One Nights or Arabian Nights, as it's also known. Now, the main framing story is that of Shahaya, a king. I don't know if I said that right, but anyway, we'll give it a go. A king who learns that his wife has been unfaithful and kills her and then believes all the women are the same. And he starts marrying virgins and then executing them the next morning before they've got a chance to dishonor him. It's a shame, isn't it? And then someone, a lady called Scheherazade offers to marry the king. And on the night of their marriage, she begins to tell him a story, but she doesn't finish it. And the king is curious to know how it ends and postpones her execution. And then the next evening, she finishes that story and starts another one, but only starts it. She doesn't finish that either. And again, He postpones her execution. And this goes on for a thousand and one nights, after which time he stops threatening to kill her, which is good. And from this framing story came all these other stories that we know well today. stories of Sinbad the Sailor, Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves, and Aladdin, quite a few of which have gone on to be pantomimes, which themselves have different framing devices. Uh, I don't know if that's just a British thing, pantomimes, Um, I'm not sure whether it is or not. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it's not. Anyway, you're not missing out too much elsewhere in the world if you don't know about pantomimes. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. And in Forrest Gump, um, that film, the majority of the story is told by Forrest narrating as he tells people on the bench at the bus stop about his life. And then it switches to the story playing out in real time as he gets on the bus to meet his long-time long love, Jenny, and find out about his son. Hopefully that is not a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Forrest Gump. It's a great film. I love it. I also love love Bubba Gump's Shrimp Factory. Um, It's it's a great spin-off from that film. Okay, I've also heard people use paintings to illustrate the purpose of framing. So when an artist completes a, a painting, or I guess these days, takes a photo, they choose a frame that is going to show the picture off in the best way for the gallery in which it's going to be shown or the lighting it's going to be shown in, the colours of the piece, perhaps the mood of the piece, and so on. Uh, another author uh, called Joseph Novakovich, who also wrote the book, uh, Writing Fiction Step by Step, said that fiction has to do at least as much with how people observe and interpret events as with the events themselves and i think these days also you could extend that to nonfiction because even journalists will frame the same story in different ways using different points of view language or images depending on the spin they want to put on it and who they want to reach and you only have to look at the papers or online papers like the Guardian or National Enquirer, the Daily Mail, uh, Breitbart and so on to see that played out uh, today. Okay so we know the importance of being able to adapt the frame of our message and content to engage different audiences and we know how it's done in the theatre, in the movies, in literature, and so on. But the next question is, how can we use framing as speakers? Now, I'm assuming that you're going to want to keep your core content the same, and you've got the same problem and solution, the same teaching and action points. Now, let's look at different framing options that you could use keeping that stuff uh, the same. Let's talk about uh, where. So you can use stories and examples from other cities, countries, cultures, groups, industries or professions, depending on the audience, obviously, that you've got. And you can even use analogies from fiction, maybe Forrest Gump or I don't know, Thousand and One Nights, whatever. Now, in terms of when you set your talk, because you can set it in different times, you can find stories, data or perspectives from a different time. I mean nothing is new under the sun and the things that we're doing and speaking about today whether that be Facebook blockchain technology leadership resilience marketing and sales all of them have their equivalents throughout our history and who is another another possible framing device you can look at your message and content through the eyes and perspective of someone else a mother a child you as a child a senior citizen a father a teacher you from the future someone from a minority the boss the employee the shareholder or a fictional character i did uh, someone did a talk recently that i saw where it was all about batman and it was but that wasn't the, was, resilience was the heart of the story but batman was used it was a great framing device really enjoyed that Okay, and then how can you perform it differently? How can you present it differently to the audience? You could use animation, props. You could ditch the slides. You could have a d- digital multimedia experience. Well, if we get really fancy, you could use VR. I mean, a small audience for that, maybe. Um, you could bring in a sketchnote artist to bring it to life while you're talking. You could do the talk sitting down. You could do it whilst you're exercising on a soapbox, walking among the audience or even from off stage. Lots of opportunities to shake your content up and make it more relevant and engaging and exciting for your audience and you. Uh, there's so many of them, and they're many and varied. And once you open up your mind, you will see all of these possibilities come into view. Now, I thought the best, or one of the best ways to show what's possible, is to use one of my talks to illustrate how I might frame it differently for different audiences. Okay, so I do a talk on the power of storytelling and humor in business, not surprising. Let's have a look at the setting or the theme frame. So if I was doing this talk to a sales team, then I'd probably use winning the sale as the frame. If it was HR, I could choose employee engagement or change management, or to a group of accountants, I could use financial themes, making money or saving money. If I was talking to school leavers, I would talk about the power of using storytelling and humour in relation to developing your personal narrative for getting a job and communication for interviews. And then time period, what could I do with that? Well, instead of using a specific theme for a group, I could choose to focus on a time in history that all of the different groups could relate to and draw stories and examples from each of these. I could consider how influential stories were in winning wars, elections, hearts and minds, starting a movement, um, emancipation or Martin Luther King in the 60s, taking lessons from those times and applying them back to the specific situation of the audience that I was talking to. OK, the who of framing. And I've got lots of options here. For the salespeople, I could look at the subject through the eyes of the salesperson or the potential customer, maybe looking at storytelling and humor in relation to the customer acquisition journey, for instance. For HR, I could frame the talk from the employee perspective or HR or the manager and talk about the employment cycle and how storytelling and humor influence that. For accountants, I could also talk about things through a potential customer perspective or an accountant or a partner. And for the kids, I could look at it through their lens. Future them looking back or a potential employer. There are so many options for perspective and making your talk really hit the mark for different audiences. Now, the performance side, let's have a look at this. I could start this talk on a soapbox. And set it in Speaker's Corner, which, for those of you that don't know, is a traditional site for public speeches and debate in Britain. And at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park in London, people like Karl Marx, Lenin, George Orwell are just some of the luminaries who've exercised their right to free speech. But the point that I'd make in the talk is that the ones who got listened to and followed were the ones who engaged the audience emotionally through stories and humour. I could use video and show some of the business icons who've used stories to sell like Steve Jobs. I could even, if I was brave and depending on the audience demographic, I could even get an audience member up on stage with me to start the talk by telling a story from their childhood. A bit risky, but it could be very memorable. So the framing is all about the contextualization of your talk and making sure that your audience connects with it in the most powerful way possible. And hopefully in this show, I've given you some food for thought for some of your future presentations. Excellent. Well, that's it from me today. I am interviewing some amazing guests this week, and I wouldn't want you to miss out on those people when they come out next month. So wherever you are, whatever platform you're on, Go ahead and subscribe now. And I also just want to say thank you so much for listening. I couldn't do this without you. Well, I could, but it would be a bit sad and lonely. Um, I'll catch you next week. And in the intervening period, go ahead and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster, something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires, and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.